0: Miller and Condon, welcome back. to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.0. Point three on the FM Dial. In about 20 minutes, our friend Zubin Mehente from ESPN will join the program. We will go around the world of sports as we always do uh, with Zubin every Tuesday about this time. Well, yesterday, the sports caster and sports writer of the year were awarded uh, for all of the states. Our state, Mark Woodley, is the sports caster of the year, the sports writer of the year for the second time from the Des Moines Register. He's Tommy Birch, and he is with us. Tommy, Trenton Ken. Congratulations. How are you?
2: I'm doing good. I'm 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 just assuming that there there's going to be a recount <laughs> and I'm not actually the winner.
0: No, I think you won it, Tommy. I think it's set in stone that they, they made that announcement. They're not turning back. Uh, so good for you. All kidding aside, that, that's great. That's the second time you've uh, managed to, uh, to take down this award. I don't know what 2021 is going to look like, but don't normally, all of you, um, there's a big award ceremony, isn't it North Carolina? Charlotte? Is it? I'm not sure. Tell us they about don't. it, Tommy. If, if In a normal year, what would happen next?
2: Yeah, yeah, there's uh there's a big ceremony on Winston uh Salem. I I didn't go the last time, so I'm kind of hoping uh we'll be able to slip away and go to that because there are some really cool names um you know uh that they're getting inducted into the Hall of Fame and then you know national sports and sports writers of the year and um you know as, as somebody that really enjoys the industry and reading other people's words, mm-hmm. uh and, and and following the broadcast work of many other people, I think it'd be really cool to to get out to. But first, I gotta get a vaccine. Yep. Don't know when I'm gonna get that. But uh, you know, it, it, it would be really cool to 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 be able to uh, to go out there and and, and scope that out and uh, uh you know meet some really cool people.
3: Dick Stockton, Jim Nance, Bill King, Larry that's, Merchant. That's this year. This is this year. Jesus. William C. Roden, Rick Tellinger. Wow. And uh, your national award winners for Sportscaster of the Year, Doc Emmert. I know you like that one, Ken. Yeah. And Nicole Auerbach on the national sports writing side. That is uh, quite a list, Tommy Birch. Congratulations to you. Uh, How does it work? Do they just randomly choose you? Is it local people that vote on this? Do you have any idea the process? Do you have to send in a couple of your favorite columns of the year? How, How does this play out?
2: I believe it's just a a basic vote where uh, you know you anybody can be nominated, then they kind of whittle it down to to finalists, and Mm -hmm. then and and then you know other sports writers, sports casters uh, from around the state who exactly has a vote. I don't entirely know. I heard from a few people that that they uh, that they had made the mistake of voting for me, (laughs) so um, that that's kind of my belief how it goes and. I think that's what kind of I think makes it so special is you know uh, uh, a lot of, a lot of my uh, peers in the industry I always joke about this that you spend more time with your competition than your mm-hmm. actual uh, coworkers when you're a sports reporter so um, you know I think to um, to be recognized by them certainly uh, means a lot to me and you know I you know, the other night I went. And looked at kind of a the long list of, of sports writers who, who have won this award. And, you know, the the Randy Peterson, yeah. the, the Rick Brown, the the Mike Colossus. You Ron Malley. Yeah, yeah. pretty remarkable names. And, and to just be on that list is, is something that, that means the world to me.
0: No, it's, it's really cool. And, you know, I'll say it because you won't. Um, we're lucky in, in this state, you know, it, at, at the register, the group that they have down there, you know, bringing Heinz over uh, and him adding to the to the Iowa State, particularly the basketball coverage, not that his football work is subpar, I'm not saying that, but Emrit and Leistakow <laughs> do a terrific job. And now that you've kind of branched out, and over in the eastern part of the state, right, Halas, uh, as you mentioned, he's won it multiple times. Morehouse until he retired. Dockerman. Uh, we've got some terrific writers in this state. And as a, as a newspaper consumer, and I've always been that person, now it's more online than having the paper, sadly, in my hands, um, I, I'm, I tip my cap to what you guys do because as a state— and I know that's not the case every day, right? You're going to write something that's one of the fan bases is going to piss them off. But that's what you're supposed to do. So, Tommy, what was your favorite – what was the piece that you did in 2020 that meant the most to you? What was your favorite piece?
2: Oh, wow. You know, that's that's tough to, to think about. You know, some of my favorite stories are, are not the – um and this was even when i was on the iowa state beat we're not the iowa state stories you know the iowas or iowa states it was you know i think one of the the stories that really pops into my mind is is ross kennedy uh uh you know uh i I believe he's a punter he's some sort of kicker at at drake and you know he's a drake football player and he's deaf and Mm -hmm. you know i went and spent some time with him uh you know, pre-pandemic and, and talk to him about what it's like being a football player, um, you know, w- with that disability and, you know, sharing those type of stories, um, you know, the guys that really don't get a ton of coverage right? Um, is is what I find incredibly rewarding, but I would say probably the most entertaining story was during the pandemic. I, I went and spent part of the day with uh, uh, T.J. who who is from Iowa, he was a uh you know a first round draft pick of the Yankees and you know he he didn't get uh Im- invited to the Yankees uh alternate camp so during the pandemic he's just back at home working out and I spent a day with him and his girlfriend while they were they were doing Uber Eats and I did some deliveries with them and <laughs> it it was it was the most um entertaining day of the pandemic watching this guy who had signed with the Yankees for, you know, over a million dollars. And he's got a brand new truck and he's he's out delivering, you know, McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and Subway to to random people. And uh, I I thought that was uh, probably the most fitting story of the entire pandemic.
3: Tommy Birch joining us, the 2020 Sports Writer of the Year here in the state of Iowa. Birchie. I know one of your favorite sports to cover is baseball. Uh, Yesterday I saw that there was a conference call with Commissioner Manfred of MLB and the ownership group and he basically told them, according to people that were on that call, we're planning on 162, we're planning spring training, all systems go. Is that realistic from where we are right now to get 162 in, whatever the capacity of these stadiums is going to be, and spring training starting on time? Can you see that happening?
2: Yeah, I think that's going to be really hard. Just for the idea that, look, um, we're gonna we're going to see plenty of cancellations during the baseball season season, even with you know a vaccine here and, and starting to get distributed. But to, to actually think that it's going to get to everybody who's needed throughout baseball, and you're talking about players at the major league level, minor league level, front office people, coaches. I mean, that's a lot of people who have got to get vaccinated and to think that they're all going to get it in time for the season to start and to, to carry third just um, seems a, a little far-fetched to me. Now, do I think they're going to to be able to get the season started on time? That, that, that might be a distinct possibility, but to think that you're going to have a full-blown 162-game schedule um, seems really, really difficult. I mean, it's going to be – really difficult to, to get through even during a typical season when you're talking about rainouts and, mm. and stuff like that. That's the idea of doing it during a national pandemic and actually accomplishing it, um, it is going to be tremendously challenging. But, um, you know, the good news is they are on that path and, and that's what they want to try to
0: accomplish. What uh, what are you hearing as far as uh, principal park and, and and AAA Tom? We know that there's going to be some new teams, um, uh, in in the league this year. As far as who I I uh, the I Cubs are going to play, what are you hearing date wise? Anything about as to when their season may start? I've heard that you know the minor leaguers and the major leaguers they the minor leaguers won't get the camp until major league players break camp dot dot dot, which makes sense. Are you hearing anything along those lines as we may, when we may see baseball in downtown Des Moines?
2: Yeah, kind of the last thing I had heard was, you know, uh, people around my minor leagues were optimistic about a May start. Now, obviously, that doesn't really fit the timeline of what my, Rob Manfred has now for a full ball 162 game season. But the good news for Iowa Cup fans is that, hey, when the major league season starts, that's when you're going to, to see AAA baseball, at least right around that time, too. Now, I can't say people in Cedar Rapids, the Quad Cities, um, are, are going to be as fortunate because being the lower Bubble baseball team, um, you know, those spring trainings are not going to get kicked off in time, and those players aren't going to be ready for baseball, um, you know, until later in the season. So you're probably going to see an abbreviated season at that point, but I do think that, you know, you brought up the, the point about, uh, you know, if Iowa have having some new uh, competition, I think that could be an intriguing part of the season if fans can't get out to Principal Park, where now you're looking at um, new affiliates, specifically the Minnesota Twins. Trent, you, right. you and I right. are going to be pumped about that. Yes. The St. Paul Saints, You're going to be seeing the St. Paul Saints uh, coming to Principal Park a, a lot this season. So... Um, I think, it, man, if you can get fans into Principal Park this summer, there there's some real excitement to be sold outside of, um, you know, the new competition, but the fact that man, people just haven't seen baseball in a long, long
0: time. Really,
3: need to get it. Need yeah. to get it out there, big time. Well, seven months from today, August 12th, yes. the Field of Dreams game is scheduled to be played. What's the latest, if anything, you're hearing on that? And White Sox-Yanks, right? Yes. Yeah. If it's not the 8,000, that's what the capacity is supposed to be. There's going to be some fans at the very least in there, right?
2: Mm. Yeah, I'd feel pretty optimistic saying that there, there are going to be some fans at that game. And, you know, look, I have I found it fascinating that they have um, seemed very optimistic, even before the pandemic, about getting tickets out to the average shows. You know, my my first thought was this going to be a corporate sponsor mm-hmm, event yep. where you're going to have giant advertisers, and big wigs sitting in the stands. But from my understanding, at least before the, um, the, the pandemic was that there were going to be a, a substantial amount of tickets available to to fans. But I would say if everything keeps going along as you know, we hope with the vaccine, that that's going to be a distinct possibility. But if it happens where, Hey, there aren't, uh, a, a ton of fans or even uh, any fans at the game. I think that's something that people at the Field of Dreams actually do not um, feel is really going to hinder it because they have very high hopes that this is going to be a game that stays on Major League Baseball schedule, kind of like the the, the Little League World Series classic uh, you know, game that we see out in Williamsport all the time. And I think their thought is, hey, if, if we can't have fans or we can't have very many fans at this game. This is gonna be a good, you know, uh trial run for us to 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 get that first game going. So um no matter what, I, I think the most important thing is getting that game in on that schedule and getting it played.
0: No doubt about it. Tommy, listen, uh uh congratulations from uh from Trent and myself. Uh way to go Tommy Birch. Hopefully things work out travel-wise that you and Allison can get out there well and uh, uh when you receive your uh, your award. That'd be great. And I'm sure that's something that you've got your fingers crossed uh that happens. Thank you, Birchie. Congratulations again. Appreciate you coming on.
2: Thanks for always having me,
0: guys. Appreciate it, buddy. Good to talk to you, Tommy Birch, uh, the 2020 winner of the
3: Iowa Sports Writer of the Year. Mentioned some of those other national award winners that'll be coming in. Uh, Sid Hartman. Oh, I saw that he, yeah, that he's being honored. Yes. Right. Good Which for him. Is really really cool to yep. see. Yep. And just you go through the list and so many great names and names that and in the state of Iowa too. Yes. I mean, my gosh, it, it is ridiculous. See, Dwayne Kuyper, who mm-hmm. calls the Giants games. Yep. This is his first ever win. That seems unthinkable mm-hmm. to me, but California's a pretty big state. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so maybe it makes it a little bit more difficult, but I, I, I saw that, and I saw he was a first-time winner. I'm just absolutely shocked. You know, shocked. there's an omission in the state of Iowa, Sports Writer of the Year,
0: that I don't think has won it yet, and I thought he should have won it a couple of years ago. Chad Leistikow mm, is a really yeah. good writer. Yes. He is a tremendously talented writer. Um, he's going to win this thing one of these years. Yes, He has to. I I think, anyways. Uh, Anyways, we will take a timeout. How about that? Before we do so, it is time for another $1,000 slam dunk. Text the keyword PAY to 200. 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. PAY to 200 200.
1: You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contact.
0: Our friend zubin Mahente from ESPN joins Trent and I when we come back on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.
1: We are Des Moines Sports Station 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM. This is KXNO
3: Trek Hotton here to let you know my good friends at Renner's Warehouse are in heavy demand right now in Des Moines for three reasons. One, the rental market is booming. People rent during uncertain times and homes are getting leased fast. Two, with professional video marketing and self-showing technology, Renner's Warehouse meets all healthy and safety guidelines for our social distancing world. And three, with regulations changing so quickly, more people are learning that using an experienced property manager is far less stressful than trying to do everything yourself now is not the time to diy or mess with inexperienced property managers for a low flat monthly fee renters warehouse will take the grunt work off your plate with no upfront fees and no paperwork or 3 a.m maintenance calls plus they can help you turn your part-time rental into a full-time cash flow machine and if you're a real estate agent They're offering cash payments for referrals. Go to renterswarehouse.com to book your free home rental price analysis today. Or call 515-528-4429. That's 515-528-4429. Renner's Warehouse, Des Moines.
1: You'll always cancel the insurance company and affiliates. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO.
0: Miller and Condon, welcome back to Morning Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO, 106.3 and FM. Zoom in, Mahente momentarily, uh, just real quick. The state of Iowa has just, uh, in the month of December, set another new mark when it comes to sports wagering handle. Uh, the previous mark since uh, set all the way back in November. It was $87.1 million in December, $104.8 million wagered on sports in the state of Iowa. January will dwarf that total, I think we shall see Zubin Mehente joins the program he was part of the mega cast last night although I can't say I saw you Zubin good to speak with you Trent and Ken uh, how is the mega cast received I know a lot of people love it I see some folks Zubin that actually tape whatever part of the mega cast that they want to watch at a later you know hour or whatever They can't get away from the normal game uh, but uh, what are you hearing as far as the feedback on the mega cast that you were part of last night?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think we are trying to say that there is no group of fans whose interest level uh, cannot be satiated. For example, I think we had 14 different feeds yesterday. The traditional broadcast, <laughs> 13 others, the film room. We had a ref cast for the first time. Jason Benetti worked with a bunch of officials. I was doing the data center with Brad Edwards with numbers. We had everything covered. And I think, you know, it's one thing that our executives wrote us a, a memo today You know, I think you're starting to see other networks do it. You saw how well-received the Nickelodeon broadcast was over the weekend for a different demographic. But, you know, that's one sliver of trying to do a mega cast on another network-type property. So I think it's really turned out to be a pretty good idea. Uh, It's a very podcast feel, ours was, because we like to say when you're doing the traditional broadcast, it's a mile wide and an inch deep. But for a lot of subjects, like for you guys sports gambling, you want to go a mile deep. And so we are trying to provide that service uh, to everyone. And we did a really good job of promoting it, too. I think a lot of times what happens is if you're not on the traditional broadcast, it's very difficult to find some of these other broadcasts. Where do I find them? What are they about? But, you know, because we're so committed to college football, um, everybody was able to kind of, you know, make sure that their specific idea got enough promotion. And I'll tell you just the two quick things on the data center you guys would, would love. The two takeaway stats. I know you had Dama on in your first hour. I was sleeping in the car. I'm <laughs> sorry I missed it. Um, but I would tell you this. Brad Edwards, great stat. And maybe this is out there, but we just want to reiterate it. For every single Alabama player that was a three-year player under Nick Saban, at any point was a three-year player from the first year he got there, which I believe was 07, right, to mm-hmm. 2020, every single three-year player has a championship ring. Mm. Think about that. Jeez. If you played three years for oh. Nick Saban at any point since he came to Alabama, you have a championship ring. Second, you'd love this. Alabama has been favored in 151 <laughs> of their last 152 games. You want to take a guess? I, I, I,
0: no. Who is it?
4: Georgia in 2015 was the only time wow. in the last 152 games they have been an underdog. They were a one and a half point underdog. What do you think they did in that game?
3: Crushed, probably.
4: <laughs> one by twenty-eight. Yeah. that?
3: <laughs> He's not even able to use the the easiest motivational angle.
0: <laughs> no, Nobody right. believes it, be-
3: right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the easiest one for any coach to hit up during that pregame speech. He doesn't be able to use that, and it still works every single time. Everything comes to an end. The, we've seen these cycles. Earlier in this century, it was USC. Nobody's ever going to stop them. You're recruiting till LA. It's incredible. Of course, it ends. Pete Carroll leaving was a part of that. How long does this continue for Nick Saban in Alabama? Is it just something as simple as whenever he decides to hang it up?
4: I think so. And you're right. There's some cautionary tales. We never thought Pete Carroll would end. Yeah. We never thought, you know, Urban Meyer would end at a couple of different spots. It happened. We even thought uh, to a certain degree that previous Alabama coaches had it going. But at the end of the day, he's 69. He doesn't actually look like he's 69. Paul Feinbaum brought up a great point today, guys. Bear Bryant died at 69. Now, take a look at how Bear Bryant looked. And I understand (laughs) there's that whole story about as soon as he stopped coaching six months later, he died. Not so much coaching meant to him. But you've seen pictures of Bear Bryant, and you've seen pictures of Nick Thib. They're both 69 years old, and Nick just has a vitality to him that's amazing. Brad had mentioned to me yesterday – the top three receivers in the state of Florida, okay, have all committed to Alabama. Um, you know, Devontae Smith is from Louisiana. Najee Harris is from California. Um, Jalen Waddell is from Texas. Mac Jones is from Florida. He's going everywhere and getting anybody that he wants. And there's no, uh, there's nothing stopping him. Brian Dayball left wasn't a big deal. Jim McIlwain left. Wasn't a big deal. Mm. Sark left. Wasn't a big deal. Cristobal left. Wasn't a big deal. I mean, they are dealing with this stuff every single year. These are the types of things you lose your coordinator, like a day ball. Mm. It can completely flush the program. Lane Kiffin, like all these guys yeah. and it hasn't fluxed them at all. And that's really impressive. The other thing I would say, both Paul and Reese Davis, and we talked to Reese about this this morning. He grew up watching Bear Bryant. <laughs> He's been handing the trophy to Sabin pretty much every <laughs> single year. You would say, um, both of those guys said that there is no debate. You got to have the debate today because he finally hit the six titles that Bear had, seven overall. Both seem to think, and Paul actually covered the last two years of Bear Bryant. So, yeah, old Paul is. Um, they said no, no contest whatsoever.
0: It's David for the best them. Yeah, I mean I would I, I find it hard to argue that point at, at any level. Zuba Mahente uh, from ESPN is is our guest. Zubin, who's the the best comparison you've heard to Devontae Smith is whom?:
4: Oh, I heard you guys talking about this because I was able to tune in before I fell asleep.: We put you to uh, sleep. Good to know.
0: <laughs>
4: rigging endorsement. Yeah. You know what I mean? but Well played. It's funny we've actually talked about this on our show because we are always talking football consistently. Key, key, key and Todd McShay actually came up with the same guy. Of course, he likes to say uh, uh, McShay heard him say it and he's just negotiating, <laughs> but that's key. But uh, um, no, they both came up with the same guy, Marvin Harris. Yeah. And that's a smaller, slighter guy, like kind of. I think Trent, you mentioned Jerry Rice mm-hmm. when I first came to this morning. Same type of thing, smaller base. And at the end of the day, Devontae Smith, I mean, look, obviously we know he was on the receiving end of the second and twenty-six from Tua. Um, he's responsible oh. basically for two national championships, the Heisman Trophy. He said this morning, and, you know, he is prone to hyperbole every once in a while, but not at the wide receiver position. He has a lot of respect for these guys, as you might imagine. He said Devontae Smith is the most decorated wide receiver in the history of college football. And we, I know we live in the recency bias, and it's all there, yep. but it would be hard to argue if you really think about it.
3: Yeah, Zubin, uh, big picture college football. So last year it was LSU, Alabama, their sixth title in 12 years, but it's the same teams. There is a certain level that it doesn't feel like even that next year, the Floridas, the Notre Dames, the Texas A&Ms of the world, they can't get to this highest tier. When you look big picture college football, what's next? Is an expansion of the playoff, more teams at least having a shot, is that enough or do we have to – pare this thing down before we can build it back up?
4: I don't think you can pare it down because I think it's just simply a money grab. I know it makes sense yeah. that this year there were only quote-unquote two teams that were up for this. I think we actually thought that was Alabama. and Clemson turned out to be Alabama and Ohio State. I don't think in any way you can move backwards in this, in this scenario. Um, Kirk came on our show a couple of weeks ago, Sean J. Will, and myself, and he put the sport on blast. And normally he won't do that, um, especially because of the role that he holds you know, within the sport, but he basically came out and said that the playoff system is broken. I mean, that's basically what he said on the show, and it's really hard to argue based on what you just said. Alabama's missed one playoff. Uh, You know, Clemson has missed one playoff. Oklahoma, Ohio State have both been there. Plus, even overachieving teams like LSU. Think about all the sweat equity, guys. Think about everything LSU did just to catch Alabama, and in one year, it's gone, (laughs) right? I mean, everything they did to try to catch them, we're better. They won in t town. They had Burrow, they had Brady, they had 14 guys drafted, they played Tua, Tua was hurt in that game, Burrow was better, all this stuff, Coach O, and all of it lasted for one year. I mean, that's how fleeting it can be. My real solution to this is, and I don't want it to happen, but it's another thing Kirk mentioned on the show, I think one thing that would really help is if the group of five had its own playoffs yeah. and the power five had its own playoffs, mm-hmm. that would help. I heard you guys initially talking about the czar, I think that if you broke apart, it would be easier for the czar to be able to, he or she, to be able to enact stuff. Because right now, when you throw the entire FBS in, there's just so much inequity that it's impossible to bridge the gap. Now, there's a ton of inequity between Alabama and Rutgers as well, to use two examples, because they're both in the Power Five. But simply being in the Power Five allows you to deal with those two disparate programs with regards to history and lineage a lot more simply than any positional team in the group of five. So I think that there's going to be any level of equity. And to make this playoff a little bit stronger, I think you just need to separate um, only because I think what you could then do is you could have, to what your point 10 was, you could have more uniformity in scheduling. As long as you have these other teams there and the non-conference schedule is there, I think it's going to be a gigantic headache. If there is some sort of breaking apart, as David Pollack also said on our show, I, and I agree with this wholeheartedly, I would absolutely watch the group of five playoffs. and I think it would be awesome. And I think a lot of people would watch it. But at that point, the group of five would have to swallow their pride and say, we are secondary, and this is the best thing for us. And I'm not really sure. A lot of those
0: schools want to do that. Uh Zubin, when when uh you have Feinbaum on, does the does the conversation ever turn to the, the scheduling? You know, what the SEC is doing with the four non conference games. Trent pointed out those back to back in the month of November for crying out loud. Uh when it's come when you're coming down the stretch and they're gonna play two laughers. Um is is there movement or do you think potentially there might be movement? to everybody get on that 9-3 and three or a 10-2 and two opposed to an 8-4? and four. What's Feinbaum here uh, when it comes to the SEC and how they do the non-conference? Any hope of change?
4: I don't think so because I think for the most part, I can't speak for Paul, but we have addressed this from time to time. He comes on every week and we talk about a variety of things. But um, I think that those quote-unquote games, however you want to phrase them, um, they have been very beneficial to a lot of teams. Um, in order to play a game, but maybe not get banged up, not play our starters a ton, get our backups some reps, and obviously keep us fresh for a big game that is likely to come after that game is played. Obviously, those smaller schools want to play those games. Obviously, we know how much it can mean for the athletic department to go in and play that game and fund everything else. So I just think as long as the SEC teams find it helpful, because it helps them gear up for a much more physical game, and those other schools are willing to go do it, it's hard to eliminate, and I agree with what you're saying, but it's hard to eliminate something when both teams look at it as a win.
0: You know what I mean? I do. I just I wish they wouldn't look at it like that. But, I mean, selfishly, right? Yeah. This is just from a fan's perspective. I don't want to see the Citadel in Alabama. Who is it, Trim? Mer- I don't even know. Mercer and New Mer-
3: Mexico State back-to-back weeks mm. in November <laughs> for your reigning national champion. Well, uh, Zubin, the NFL wildcard mm. week is in the books. We saw six games, three a day. It was it was great. Incredible. It's yep. here to stay. This is something that was announced that they were expanding the playoffs even before everything played up. But I want to get your perspective. It's not anyone you work for, but the Nickelodeon broadcast. I heard great things from people with kids. I had it on for a while with my children, and they seem to enjoy it. Is this something ABC, ESPN, Disney – you guys are maybe now starting to kick around the tires. What else can we do to get some younger people watching more sports?
4: No doubt. I think the first thing is you've got to put it on a platform where younger people are going to find. So you and I, Trent, we're the same age. We grew up on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. You can't do that on television. The green yeah. Slime, The Today's special. Yeah. I don't want to date ourselves here, but you know what I'm uh-huh. talking about. So we, we have that. We have the Disney Channel. We also have something called, I learned the other day for the first time. We have something called Freeform which used to be ABC Family. So once again, these sort of wholesome places where kids can go, there's not threatening television, nothing crazy is going to happen. So as long as you have that outlet, that's the first thing I think you need because you have to go to a place where normally people like that gravitate. Secondly, I got to give CBS a ton of credit. We do it with the mega cast, but we do it by going into niche sorts of topics. What they did to really make that different was, you know how many people tell you they're going to be out of the box and then do the most conventional thing because it's mm-hmm. cool to say you're out of the box Tip by cap to them. They said it was going to be different, and it was. I don't want to pat them on the back for doing exactly what they said they were going to do, but there are so many people that say they're going to go out of the box and do something different, and it's as conventional as could be. So credit to them. They said it would be different. It was. And the other thing that this tells you, besides the fact that you open it up, you get more people involved, is that even leagues like the National Football League need to acquire a new audience. And we're talking people, Trent, less than half our age. So you're talking preteens, younger people, maybe a little bit older than your kids, obviously. But the NFL needs that next generation of fans, and there's no such thing as starting too early. I saw a stat the other day that of the top 100 shows on television, 63 were NFL games. So I think the NFL is completely dominating our our watching experience. But I think they realize, like everybody else. Consumer attitudes and consumer ideas are shifting really fast. And this is a group of people that maybe hasn't started following sports just yet and needs a different hook to get into it. Remember, the participation level in football is dipping. There's a real good corollary to say that younger people are not as interested in football. They're not playing it. They're playing video games all day long. Whatever they do, something to get this next generation involved into football. They might naturally gravitate there because mom and dad like it. But if there's a way to sort of push them that way and do it using technology and fun, it just made total sense. And I I thought it was a big success.
0: Uh, Zubin, the uh, the divisional round, uh, not lost on anybody, just the the young quarterbacks that represent the AFC. Um, Mayfield versus Mahomes, and of course Jackson uh, and Josh Allen. Yet it's the it's the graybeards, right? It's it's Breeze and it's Brady and it's Rodgers. Goff is relatively young, but three out of the four are are getting up in age when it comes to NFL careers. Uh, of the four games, Zubin, does it seem like Baltimore Buffalo is going to be the most competitive? If you could only watch one which one would it be
4: I think I'd probably have to watch Brady and Breeze even though I did see the first two and we'll see what happens I believe Drew's actually turning 42 Thursday and obviously as you know of course Tom is 43 and obviously we've never had a matchup like this in the history of the league two 40 year old plus guys or at least 40 or older taking part in a playoff game together so I would say I'd rather watch that because I know Lamar and Josh's best days are likely ahead although obviously that that's That's pretty high praise for Lamar, considering he's already been the unanimous MVP. But earlier, I think Monday, we had our poll question, and our poll question was just the opposite. Which guy in the 2018 draft class that finally broke through for their first playoff win, they all did it on the same weekend, which one of those guys um, impressed you the most? Lamar getting that first playoff win, getting Mm -hmm. all the critics off his back, Josh Allen finally backing up the regular season play with great postseason, or obviously Baker just being the first overall pick. All of them got playoff victory number one uh in a two-day span and our our group seemed to go with Lamar, Lamar yeah. was the most impressed and had the most to gain and I think you can make a good argument for that too
3: so looking forward are we just getting chalk here are we setting up for Mahomes versus Rogers in the Super Bowl is there a dark horse who do you like coming up this weekend And we don't ask you often game wise who you like do you have anything off the apple cart
4: here I think one of the most interesting games that isn't being talked about, or not even one of the more interesting games, Key had sort of mentioned this on the air, and Key has sort of indicated that there's something funny going on with the Rams. Mm-hmm. I, McVay came out and essentially said, Jared Goff's our guy, and I'm not here to tell you Jared Goff and John Wolford are in some sort of tête-à-tête, but just just remember this for a second. On a Saturday, Wolford started, Goff was the backup, and Blake Bortles was Inactive. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, Goff was one snap away. And if you're one snap away and there is no number three quarterback, you should probably be as close to being able to start as possible, considering the scenario mm-hmm. you could be in, which is exactly what happened when Wolford had the neck injury and went to the ambulance. Goff came in and played well. Goff's their quarterback. Goff's earned the money. But if you go back and listen to what McVay said after the game, I'm going to paraphrase here. I don't have it in front of me. He said something along the lines of, Jared came in and played really well, but, man, John was in a good <laughs> rhythm. And, and I'm not saying anything. Golf is their guy, and they and, uh, stated it after the game. But I just thought that was really interesting. In fact, when asked after the game if Wolford were to be totally healthy this week, meaning this divisional game, he still wouldn't commit, even though mm. you would believe that uh, Jared's son would be getting better every single day. If he could play Saturday with a thumb injury, you would think the following weekend he would be fine, and he still sort of resisted in answering the question as easily as he could have. I'm not sure what's there, but I think there's something more there than people are talking about. I mean, let's be honest. They went through an entire game week last week. They didn't know who their quarterback was going to be, and it was one of the least talked-about things nationally, right? The Rams are about to play a playoff game. We don't know who's going to take the first snap, and barely anybody was talking about it. Something strange going
0: on there. Interesting. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, thank you. Great spot. Uh, appreciate it, as always. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you, Zubin. Take care, guys. We'll see you next week. Good to talk to you. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. You know, I didn't want to bring it up with Zubin and put him in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. Um, first ever headgear Lee Corso put on was? Buckeyes? Alabama. Oh, okay. And I found that out last night. Okay. not that I knew Last night, he put on Alabama. Is that a... I mean... I no, he just he, thought Alabama was going to win. Well, he did. I get it. But, but point being, is that kind of a bookend? You know what I mean? The first headgear is Alabama. Is the last headgear he puts on going to be Alabama?
3: I... From what we know of him, is this the way he wants to go out from doing it from his house? Or does he want to have another year out on the road having fun with his guys and being able to hang out with Herb Street? Does he have any family... Year?
0: Don't they have to talk to him? Still gets numbers? Does he though? Yeah. I, I just hate to see it, Trent. I just hate I just hate to see it, you know? I just hate to see it. It just I guess they it have doesn't. have
3: to tape some of his segments. It now? doesn't bother me, I get. It just it, it is was what it so is. G- I get it. He was so
0: good. Mhm. Um, I just wonder if if we're not going to hear See, I don't like
3: pushing the old guys. I'm away. not putting you. you. <laughs> I am the old guy on the station. Well, and I don't want to push you away, and I don't want to push Corso away. Let him put on the headgear at the end. Let him travel. Let him get a normal season at the very yeah. least. If he wants to go another year, and ESPN's fine with it, I'm fine with it too. Yeah, is it uncomfortable sometimes? It and do you feel bad? Yes. Absolutely. But it doesn't take away from my memories of no, him and no, what he is. No, no, no. But and what he means to college football. But if you, if you, if you. And yeah, I know it's a cesspool over there. But
0: that, mm-hmm. but sadly, that's how a lot of people aren't going to remember you know, a guy like this. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I hope
3: you're right. I think he, sometimes you fall to that Twitter rabbit hole a little too deep right. that you think that that's how everyone's thinking. It's a very small percentage of people oh, that actually use right. Twitter.
0: Thankfully, thankfully. Yes. <laughs> that's for sure. And you get a
3: lot of Woo. ugliness, like you said, a cesspool there. It's, it's not always that
0: way. It certainly can be. Well, we'll see. I just found it kind of uh, i just in the back of my mind. I wonder. The first one he ever put on might uh, the last one be uh, the one from last night. Anyways, we will come back, wrap it up. Uh, what have we got? What well, we'll find out on the other side. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO, and one hundred six point three FM.
1: It's basketball season in Hawkeye Country, and we've got you covered. Previews before the games, recaps the next day. Enjoy the ride with us, Hawkeye fans, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty AM and one hundred six point three FM, KXNO family.
0: A couple minutes, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. May have been given some bad info on the
3: first uh hits uh, Geary put on, but my point remains. Anyways. It was the Bucs. I was right. You I were right. That. I'd re- I don't know why I remember that. Probably just old clip of they that they showed from time to time, but yeah, him putting the buck nut in. back into the glory days, right? Uh, so
0: we've got Wisconsin uh, and Michigan tonight, which is a hell of a game. Six o'clock on ESPN. That's got to be a tight point spread. Three and a half grab the Badgers. Three oh three and a half grab the Badgers. Uh, so Michigan goes down. Yes. Wow. Little uh, little play on that money line, just okay. a little bit. Is that your best bet of the night, or do you have a game you like better than others? I have
3: three bets tonight. That's one of them. Yeah. I like Virginia Tech a ton against Duke. Duke's favored by a point and a half at Vod Tech. Duke's not good. No. Vod Tech is. Cordell Pemsel, not playing a whole much. Yeah, I forget that he's even for the there, Hokies. you know what? And, uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those things, ah, I'll watch a little bit yeah. and then he never plays. and like, okay, <laughs> that's kind of a, a waste of time. My third play of the night, laying the points with Florida tonight, minus three at home against Ole Miss. But three plays, uh, went 3-0 and last night, national championship game and two college games. Try to do the same again today.
0: Well, good stuff. Uh, we know that Iowa State, K State will not play tomorrow. That game has been postponed due to COVID issues uh, within the uh, Wildcats program. So they're off tomorrow night. Hawks don't
3: play until Thursday. Will that game be made up? Well, I hope so. I mean, Where?
0: Well, I don't care. I mean, there's not there's not a lot of opportunities for the clones to put one in the win column <laughs> That's for true. that reason alone.
3: Yes, absolutely. I was thinking the same thing with the Loyola Drake series. Mm. Where do you put it?
0: Yeah, good good point. I mean, good be,
3: question. Yes, you do have flexibility because what the MVC is doing with the double headers uh-huh. and you can play this thing. All right, so you play a lot Sunday of basketball Monday during one week though. Yeah. Do you play Thursday Friday you know, do something like that. Maybe
0: where the Panthers return visit is cuz that might be a short week cuz those aren't back to back I
3: don't think. They're not but they're in the middle of the week. Are they? Yes. Oh. That's how they put those in there. So because of that some of your flexibility is also there. You have to get that series in, though. Oh, absolutely. If you're the NBC, that's right now your most important series. Without a doubt. Because here's the other
0: thing, and this is something to watch. We are, what, six weeks away from, air quote, potential conference tournaments. Mm -hmm. Will they happen? We certainly hope that they will. Uh, But that, I think, is maybe the next thing in collegiate sports to watch very closely. Listen very closely from 2 to 4. Murph and Andy will be here. The Fanatics come in at 4. Cyclone Insider tonight, I believe, is on at 6 o'clock. Tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., another day of local sports talk programming with the Morning Rush. That's when they begin. We're Miller and Condon weekdays, 10 to noon, on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. While the holiday season may be over, the sports calendar is in full swing this week. From collegiate to professional sports, there's no shortage of action, and there's no better place to get in on all the action than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't tried out DraftKings Sportsbook,
3: What are you waiting for? Ken, I have no idea what people are waiting for. To celebrate this year's football playoffs, DraftKings is giving all new players a chance to bet on any of this weekend's professional football games at 100 to 1 odds. All you have to do... Bet $1 any football game this weekend. If your team wins, you win
0: $100. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code KXNO when you sign up to get 100 to 1 odds on any football game this
3: weekend. That's code KXNO for new players to get a shot at $100 on any football action this weekend. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Iowa only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call what-